So as we are, let's pray for a moment. Father, we thank you for the gift of your word to us. We ask that you'd give us wisdom today as we seek to understand it for us, for our time. As we seek to understand this concept of counsel. Lord, have mercy, we pray. Amen. So friends, we are in the midst of a uh, sermon series where we are looking at the uh, spiritual gifts uh, given by the Spirit uh, in terms of Isaiah chapter 11. So the Spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, come back to him in a minute, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, Spirit of counsel and might, Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Uh, So uh, we're at counsel today and... um, the, the thinking about this is that Isaiah chapter 11 verses 1 and 2 seems to, foc- seems to point towards the coming saviour, so Jesus, uh, and of course the spirit of the Lord will then rest on him, on Jesus, and this is what Jesus will be like. But at the same time, we can recognise that God by his spirit lives in us who have come to faith, and um, part of our calling is to become more like Jesus. So there's a real sense in which these attributes can become our attributes too, as we are filled uh, with the Holy Spirit. So the spiritual gift of counsel today. Um, And we could search in a dictionary for some helpful definitions that may or may not be helpful. Um, So counsel, advice, especially that given formally, such as with wise counsel, a couple can buy a home that will be appreciating in value. Um, Or consultation, especially to seek or give advice. He took much counsel with him. Um, or perhaps you could go down a kind of more legal route, a barrister uh, or other legal advisor. Mm, that's not really our kind of focus today. As a verb, uh, we counsel people by giving advice. Hence, we talk about counselors. We talk about um, you know, those who somehow have knowledge and advice that they give to us, uh, in, as it says there, in making career decisions, if you're a careers officer. Um, or there's that sense of... of going for counselling, which I guess is what would that, that aims at there, give professional help and advice, um, or to recommend a course of action. So those are the dictionary definitions. Um, they don't really kind of help us when we get to Bible because, well, they do sometimes, but um, today it feels like um, we're on a slightly different perspective because this is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so from a spiritual perspective, um, Others more worthy than I have offered some definitions. Um, counsel comes from the Latin word concilium, right judgment or discernment to know right from wrong and make, the follow, uh, make and follow the choice to live by what is good and true. There you go, can end the sermon now. Um, but no, probably not. Um, uh, those in, in more formal circles talk about a virtue of prudence and then counsel being the perfection of that virtue. But... Um, yeah, it doesn't really work for me. I don't really understand virtues anyway. Um, I quite like this one. With the gift of counsel, the Holy Spirit speaks, as it were, to the heart and in an instant enlightens a person as to what to do. Enlightenment. That sense of saying, as we pray, as we ask God for help, so the Holy Spirit helps us to know what to do. And I think that's brilliant. That's really helpful. And look where it came from. A modern Catholic dictionary. Um, so we have to recognize then that Jesus is the ultimate counselor. Um, just think, for example, of um, that, that passage. This verse comes from um, Isaiah 9, but we, we read it quite often at Christmas, don't we? 
helpful to us. A child is born. Um, in, uh, Isaiah 9, 1 and 2 often we read as well in line with this. But anyway, this is verse 6. For us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So Jesus is the ultimate in when it comes to counsel. But also, um, Jesus doesn't just have counsel, he offers counsel. So, for example, um, if you read the uh, book of Revelation, um, Revelation is, is um, another challenging book, but we, we really won't go there today. Um, the very start of Revelation has it that um, effectively Jesus, but the, the lamb that's been slaughtered uh, and returned, the lamb of God, speaks words that then uh, John writes down. This is John the divine who wrote the book of Revelation um, in, a, in a vision. So um, this then is to the people of um, Oh, I've gone forwards too far. Laodicea, there we go. I knew it was on there somewhere. Um, it runs like this. I, there's more of it. Let me read you more of it, because actually it's really quite helpful. Revelation 3 runs like this. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write this. Um, these are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the, tr- the, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation, I know your deeds, that you're neither hot, cold, nor hot. I wish you were one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich, I've acquired wealth, and I do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. For those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Most famous verse of the Bible coming up. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will sit. I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So, um, Revelation then, um, in that passage, you have a reference to that counsel from God. Counsel from God, as in from Jesus. Um, now, we could spend forever extracting what we mean by gold refined in the fire, but there is that sense of um, God offers us the right actions to be taking. Um, and, and there's one example of that. Now then, we um, read this passage from Job just now, and um, the, the, the reason for it is that verse 21 at the top there. People listen to me expectantly, waiting in silence for my counsel. My words of wisdom, if you like. But that wisdom is a different aspect to the Holy Spirit. So that my counsel, after I'd spoken, um, they spoke no more. My words fell on, on gentle ears. Gently on their ears, sorry. So we could ask ourselves that question of how do we gain counsel? And there is a simplistic answer, which is ask the Holy Spirit. Which is actually a really powerful answer, but also doesn't make for long sermons. Um, not that you want a long sermon necessarily, but, but we could look to Job as an example of somebody who, who might be helpful in thinking about this. Job um, reflects that whoever heard me spoke well of me. 
This is Job 28, actually. I've got the wrong reference on there, but never mind. Um, and those who saw me commended me, because I rescued the poor who was hired for help, and the fatherless who had none to assist them. And so, and it goes on as, and as to the kind of things that Job did. So let's just kind of step back a bit from Job, uh, from, to, from that bit of that passage of Job to the beginning. Um, Job is described in the very first, first verse of Job chapter 1 as this. In the man of us, there was a man whose name was Job, or Job, Job, let's call him Job, stay, stay traditional. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. So then, as I said earlier, you have this, um, the, chapter 1 unfolds with, uh, with the... Um, with Satan somehow being in the presence of God, um, they're talking about Job. Job, uh, Satan gets permission to take everything from Job. And there's this series of events where a servant turns up from, from the north and then the east, the south and the west. And, it, and, and as one's speaking, so another one arrives and brings another um, bit of news. So the first one, uh, the, the news is that, um, uh, that Job's... I forget the order now, but the Job's family has died. His children have all died in a, in a, in a feast. Um, and the wind came and it, the, the house fell down and they're all dead, basically. And as he's speaking, so another one turns up uh, and says, you know, all the sheep have been burned up with a fire from heaven. Uh, and the next one turns up uh, and says, oh, the, the, the Chaldeans, our enemies, have um, swept down on camels and they've taken away... Uh, uh, swept, down on, swept down on your camels. They've taken away the camels. Uh, and then another one turns up and there's a, so there's four things that happen, you know, and each servant is only just finishing his story when another one turns up. And Job got up, tore his robe, shaved his head, fell to the ground and worshipped God. For he recognised something of the hand of God in this. We get these famous words, naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I will depart. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And then you get the story of the, how Job is, is, is um, uh, his health is taken from him. So he has sores all over his body. Um, and you get towards the end of verse, uh, halfway through chapter two, you get this lovely little interaction. Job's wife says to him, are you still maintaining your integrity? Just curse God and die, will you? Uh, uh, he replied, no, no, you're talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? And I think that's a really challenging phrase. Because when we think of the blessings from God, of God, we often think of all oh, the stuff that I have the health that I have. But we need to be willing to accept both the good and the trouble from God. Because actually the blessing of God is about eternal salvation, is about continuing adoption into his family, continuing joy of knowing God and being known by him. Because actually what's the worst that can happen on this earth? We die and we go to heaven. So, you know, Chill a bit if you get some trouble. It's effectively what Job's trying to say. Um, so let's look at Job the human being rather than Job the book. Job is described as blameless, pure, shunned evil, feared God, took up the cause of others, rescued poor, assisted the fatherless. He was righteous. He reached out to the stranger. He opposed the wicked. His counsel was welcomed. 
you could say that Job was an other-centered person. His focus was on God. So there were times when his children had feasts and he would go and offer sacrifices thinking that perhaps they had sinned. So he offered sacrifices on their behalf. But equally, he wasn't just focused on God, he was focused on other people around him. And if you compare that with the commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, then Job becomes a living um, embodiment of that calling to be holy because I am holy, says God. So maybe Job's counsel was welcomed because he spent his life worshipping God, but also he spent his life taking up, taking up, taking up the cause of others. He rescued the poor. He assisted the fatherless. uh, We had something about the, the, the heart of the widow is glad, gladdened by him. So Job was concerned for other people around him. And because of that, I guess, he began to see the world through different eyes. He wasn't just focused on his own concerns and his own issues, but he began, he was, he was open to different ways of seeing things, of listening to other people. Because of course you can't just help, you need to, you help partly by listening, don't you? So Job, we can see of, see as our example, if you like. As somebody who somehow his words were welcomed even by the elders of the town because of his actions, because of the way he lived out his faith. Now, as an aside, those of you brought up on Alpha will might recognize counsel as part of talk seven. The command of, uh, how does God guide us? Command of scripture, compelling spirit, common sense, counsel of saints, and circumstantial signs um, form the basis of a 30-minute talk, which I'm not going to give you. Um, but um, when we're looking for guidance, I think this is pretty good. as five ways that we find guidance. We go and read the Bible. We pray. We seek the Spirit's input. We use our brains. We have common sense. We talk to other people, saints as in the, uh, the other people, uh, other Christians around us. But also there are times when things happen that you go, oh, that's from God. Okay? So, um, but notice in there the council of saints that actually part of, part of, you know, you know what it is. You look around this community and there are some people that you go, yeah, they're wise. I've got a problem. I'll go and talk to them. And others that you wouldn't, perhaps, so much. Um, and you kind of want to say, well, what is it about them that makes them wise? Actually, it's usually down to prayer and about taking an interest in other people. And yes, in our day, we could take Margaret Scott as an example of somebody who both prayed and was very much involved with other people and understood things from a different perspective. So, where are we going from here? Let me come back to that set, that reality that it is God who gives his spirit. God who gives these gifts. So our calling then is to be people who pray. Um, This is from James. Um, 
You know, notice wisdom is the start of the, the set of gifts from the Holy Spirit. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. We start all this in prayer. Whether it's wisdom, whether it's understanding, whether it's counsel, might, knowledge, fear of the Lord, I, I want to suggest that actually we pray. And here's another example. Here's Paul's prayer um, for the church at Colossian, uh, Colossae. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. Through all wisdom and understanding. Mm, okay, that, that kind of echoes the first two aspects of this verse, doesn't it? Wisdom and understanding. Let's go on. Uh, continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Results so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. And actually that I find really encouraging and comforting because we don't just, we're not just left on our own to work out how to live a life worthy of the Lord and to please him in every way. We are given the gift of God's spirit living in us to help us to respond to God's love for us. And I just think that is so exciting and so comforting because we're not left struggling in the dark. What we're called to do is to pray. And we pray. And this is Paul praying for them, the church at Colossae. This is New Testament stuff. But equally, we're called, we can pray for ourselves, but also for those around us. Um, another prayer from Paul. Uh, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Filling again. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's challenging, isn't it? That we have so much joy and peace and hope that, that actually that flows out into the conversations that we have with other people, into the lives of other people. And Paul goes on to the church at Rome, I myself am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge and competent to instruct one another. Now, this is Paul not actually having ever been to Rome, um, but he's trying to assure the people right in Rome that he's writing to that actually they have the fullness of God and God's spirit, whether or not they have Paul's input. So as you see, it's, Romans is only 16 chapters long, so there's, we're coming towards the end of Romans here. But we pray. But equally as we pray, we're called to live a life. Let's go back a bit, one there. Life worthy of the Lord. How's your life doing? Is your life pleasing to him in every way? In every way. If not, well, let's pray the first half. Fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding and counsel, of course, that the Spirit brings. Let's take time to pray, friends. You might be willing to stand up. I would ask you to stand up, if you may, because we're going to pray.
Father, thank you for the examples that we have of people who are full of your Spirit. People who have learnt to tame their own desires and live for your glory. We pray for ourselves that you would so fill us with your Holy Spirit that we might too be counted amongst those who live our lives fully for you. Fully invested in you, too in the lives of others around us. Those who in these days are poor, are fatherless, the widows. That we might understand those, those issues that people face, but to, to enable their voice to be heard. So Father, we ask for that release of your spirit in each of us. That we might know your presence Know the ways that you are challenging us to change. Give us courage to respond rightly to your prompting, to your calling. Father, I pray too for those for whom this is new news. Ask that you would grant uh, your understanding and to courage to respond. So may the joy of the Lord be our strength in these days.